I came ac- across a quote I'd like to offer you from the Buddha where he's describing to certain beings how he crossed the flood. Right? The flood is the metaphor for the flood, <laughs> the stuff, the stuff we sometimes feel like we're drowning in or trying to get our head over or swim in. Or, right? And I offer you the, the words, I, I really like them. It's very simple. See if you can listen to these two words of how he undertook handling this. See if you can listen to the advice from as much of you as is available right now. Not just your head. Head is good. Heads are good. Heart is good. Belly is good. (coughs) Is it? It's all you need to know. I'm just about to say it. Not halting, not striving. I crossed the flood. This is sublime. This is release. Not halting, not by stopping, halting, which we sometimes want to do in relation to the flood, right? Whoa! Okay, so they have to strive, get through it. Not halting, not striving. Where does that, what options does that leave you? Can you sense perhaps in the silence what that might be pointing to? that will not satisfy the part of us goes, well, what do I do about it? How do I do not halting and not striving? Right? Can you feel that has more activation in it, that has more doing, that has more striving? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I mustn't strive. Okay, I'll stop. Right. Not halting, not striving, I crossed the flood. This is sublime. This is release. It's not something, this attitude that he's pointing to is not something we can get and have, but it's something we can realize. That we can know for ourselves, Because we explore, in a way, all the avenues and exhaust all the efforts of the striving. We see where that goes, right? And the halting. They seem like the two options on the level of our personality, on the level of our programming, on the level of our conditioning. You either go for it, or you you try not to go for it. But what is this middle way? Where does it point us? And if you hear your mind activated in response to my question, just hear that too. I knew this path was impossible. Blimmin', you know peculiar koan-type Buddhist people. Right? <laughs> or whatever it is your mind does. Or, oh, I really want that. I want the not striving, not, not halting. That's my next. I'll do it in a minute. 
<laughs> right? We'll pick it up. Of course, we we because we want we keep looking for the answer. Of course, we keep looking for the answer. We want the answer. We want to rest. We want peace. Well, I want peace. Do you want peace? <laughs> it's pretty standard, isn't it? The flood of our programming, sometimes uh, referred to as sankaras, the programs, the activations, the thing that's the things that activate us to get going in the world, or to try not to get going, like whoa, back off from the world. That's another kind of sankara, another kind of patterning. He's pointing to something that's in the middle. That's uh, rather more immediate, rather more fresh, actually, than our programmings. So I want to look at it from one angle. We have this word in in the Dharma, Avijja, is translated as ignorance, and it's referring to not seeing clearly, not seeing clearly the nature of reality, not seeing clearly suffering and the causes of suffering, not seeing clearly what, who and what we are, we could say. Based on that not seeing clearly, well, what's it like when we don't see, when we don't see clearly, when we're not at home in our nature, when we're not realized in that moment when we aren't completely at rest or at peace. What, we, what I find, check it out, with your mind, through our contemplation, through our practice, there's a kind of a search. We begin the search for what it is we feel like we're missing. There's a kind of a twitch, <clears throat> like a sort of fearful, anxious, restless twitch that where we start to look for that peace that we feel like we've lost contact with, for that completion, whatever word you would put to it, for that wholeness, for that end of lack, for that rest. How am I going to find it? Because it feels like it's missing. So I start looking. I start looking everywhere I can look. I look in the world. Try that for however many years we've tried it. Okay, so spiritual practice. I try it in spiritual practice, and I'm doing the same thing, of course, because we're searching. It's twitching. It's like, where is it? Where is that thing I'm missing? There's um, a Dr. Zeus book. Um, I think he comes from here, doesn't he? Does he? Hey, yeah. Um, where there's this, I think it's a duck. It's a long time since I've seen it. Little chick, little tiny chick, who has become uh, uh, separated from his mother. And each page of the book is this little chick looking at various objects, saying, "Are you my mother?" And he, I remember, one I remember is a crane, not, not a bird crane, which would be more of the ballpark, but a, one of those kind of cranes, the metal, big shiny metal ones that's 
I don't think there's one with a tractor. Who else remember? What other ones was, was he looking at? There's a Snowplow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were all pieces of equipment. <laughs> also some other creatures. But yeah, but yeah go- going up to these... It's like there's something instinctive, right, for the small creature, of course, to look for the thing that kind of gives it completion, which in that case is the, the mothering object, right? It's very touching, this tiny little vulnerable thing, looking up at this big <coughs> machine. Are you my mother? Like, where is it that I'll find that completion? Where is it? Not seeing, ignorant, not seeing clearly. Ignorance is a little unfortunate translation sometimes. It sounds like an insult. It's not an insult. It's the ignoring of the raw material that we're working with. It's kind of ignoring it, looking somewhere else. Ignorant of our realization, then we do our best to navigate this world based on how it appears to us. We think we're seeing reality, but we have all these programs and all our reactions to these kind of people and that kind of event and this kind of feeling and that kind of sensation. And, right? We... And it's like pinball. Without a trained mind, we're pinballing off. Well, trying to get one of those or not one of those. Do it in our inner practice. Do it in my spiritual practice too. I want a bit of that, not some of that. Pinball. Boing, 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 boing. Where's the peace? Where's the peace? Where am I in all of this? Where's home? You could say ignorant of a deeper dimension that calls us. That's why we're here. That call to something that isn't just about the surface appearance, that isn't just about my reactivity and liking and dislike. Something in us is called home. That instinctive searching keeps looking out, but we have to look at the searching itself that keeps taking us away from something that's actually already here. Right? Not halting, not striving. Where does that leave you? It leaves you here. It doesn't leave you anywhere else. So do you see in yourself that looking for completion, looking for rest, looking for peace, looking for home, looking for me, looking for my sense of existence, whatever it is, all the different ways you might see that in the day here. <laughs> Searching for a note on the board. Is that me? Is that me? Oh, there I am. Oh, I'm not here. No one's left one for me. We are interested in this finding home. I, <clears throat> um, one of my brothers would uh, sort of play with that kind of um, that interest where, in, back in the old days where you used to get photographs back in a little envelope, you know, six weeks after you took them. <laughs> Remember those days? <laughs> it wasn't very long ago, was it? Incredible, huh? And they'd come back and it would be some family do or something. And we'd be looking through and, you know, you look at the photos and you, there's a way you're sort of supposed to do it, you know. Yeah, very nice. 
And he would always come in and kind of play with it. And he goes, any of me? <laughs> right? Any of me? Wants to see the bit where I am. Oh, that's it. Right? How do I look? Do I look all right? Yeah, I'm interested in the others. But there's something about ourselves that we're interested in. <laughs> right? We want some, to know something about our existence. Like... And we keep searching for the right image of me. Oh, not that image, that image. Now we have more options, don't we? You can spend hours on your photo booth getting the right image. <laughs> getting the right image of me. I just found out a new word. That I don't know which country it came from. Selfies. Have you heard of that? Selfies. And even if you get the right selfie, <laughs> you'd stick it on your altar if you like, but doesn't doesn't do it in the end, does it? And it might be a beautiful image and all of that, but you know, it's not home. It's not home. And in our inner, in our inner work, in our meditative part, which is where we're actually handling the floods, and it's not always a flood. So, you know, it can get very, very, very subtle at times, and I want to get to that. But this is the part of the path where we're handling the floods. A lot of the path helps us line up with our ethics, with our behaviour, with our speech. We're kind of lining it all up, kind of giving it a good, um, wholesome container, so we can start handling in a sense, what needs to be handled. And what I have seen is that even within that desire for the peace, you know, and I'm breathing and I'm doing my work and breathing in, breathing out and investigating and seeing and falling asleep and waking up, right? That even within that, sometimes I still see the searching, still looking for home in my experience. Finally, one sublime moment, like, oh, good. Like, this is my mother, effectively. This is home. This is where I can rest. I think maybe Pascal or Yana was talking about that, and then somebody rustles their crinkly jacket, and it's all gone. The experiences, even the most sublime, can't be that home because they change, because they're not mine in any solid way. So on retreat here, we make the conditions more simple. We um, give ourselves voluntarily, or that may not always feel that way, we give ourselves voluntarily less opportunity to keep kick-starting the engine of the searching program. So what do I mean by that? I mean, by handing in our mobile phones, for example, we, or not even handing them, I mean, whatever you've done with them and they're in your suitcase or, um, or if you didn't, you'll know what the effect is of not, right? Um, by handing those in or, or not attending voluntarily renun- re- voluntary renunciation, we don't kickstart that program of looking for something constantly, which we can do with a mobile phone. Does anyone ever do that with a mobile phone? Whatever activation it is, whatever program, even if it's a really important one, 
right? But sometimes I see going to the emails or the mobile phones, like feeling all bored, nothing much happening. Does anybody love me? Let me just check, right? It can be that, you know, it's like, are you, are you my mother? Is there some reflection of me here, please? Or it might be, I better just find out that nothing's wrong, right? Better just find out that nothing's wrong. Oh, good, nothing's wrong. Now I can rest. But we haven't yet attended to the I better find out if nothing's wrong program because that doesn't come to rest through activating it. It comes to rest through the spiritual faculties coming together and understanding where rest is truly to be found. This is not a a condemnation of technology whatsoever. It, of course, depends on the mind moment that is using it as to what the result is. But I think very often many of us know that we can activate ourselves again and again. I could see myself getting into this peculiar habit of sort of imagining I needed to check my emails every time I walk past my computer. Let me just check. Now, maybe we have a job where we do need to do that and all of, you know, that's okay. But very often... This activation keeps happening. I'm activating. Anything for me? Anything to feed me? Right? That can be a lot of what we do on the... A lot of what some of us can do, right, on the net. Anything to feed me? Anything to stimulate me? Anything to reflect me? Anything to love me? Anything I can solve? Some, something activated there. So by voluntarily here taking on a renunciation time, when we're not kick-starting the engine of this restless quality externally, something can start to cool down, to calm, to tranquil, to become a little bit more steady, just a little bit more steady deepen a little bit, we get a little bit more taste for the silence, more taste for not activating ourself. And what happens in that? One of the things that happens is the strengthening of what is called and known as the spiritual faculties, qualities of mind that can come together and support each other and deepen and deepen and deepen till they are what is the motor. It's not a searching motor. It's the, it's the coming together of factors of mind which the Buddha says will merge in the deathless. These factors which I'll name as they strengthen and deepen they will allow us to handle those programs, all that activation, all that compulsion. They'll allow us to handle it skillfully, cross the flood, and these factors merge in the deathless, where we don't have to keep giving birth to ourself to find home, to find the thing, to find the rest, to find the thing that I think is missing, because it isn't. We've already left home in the very beginning of the search. So the spiritual faculties which um, we're cultivating, sometimes we don't even know we're cultivating. The first one is faith. right? Faith which is a kind of confidence 
that actually, yes, something here works. Something here leads onward. In the beginning, it can be a very shaky faith. I'm not quite sure. Hmm. It's not a faith where we're asked to believe something or any of that. It's a faith verified again and again, deeper and deeper, by our own experience of handling the material, seeing that we're not bound to keep cycling and pinballing around the world. Something speaks to us of possibility, the sense of possibility, the sense actually there is something possible here for me. Even if, of course, a doubt comes in, no, it's not. Probably there is for everyone else, but not for me. All of, that's another program, right? That's another program of whatever that one is. You know, I'm especially bad, or I'm especially lacking. No. No, that's a program. Want something that's gotten strongly conditioned, that we've believed and taken as home. We've taken that to be the home we've lived in for a while or from time to time. So the faith deepens that that sense of possibility, that inspiration. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's just, it might be just one thing we hear all week from, from us or from someone in your group or something you've seen yourself, or it might be many, many things. But there's that spark, that little flame, or sometimes it can be a big fire of that love for deepening, that love for dharma, for truth, for penetrating beyond appearances that calls us. And as the faith deepens, the quality of energy, energy is the second on the list of the spiritual faculties, the energy of the persistent, patient, hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there. I bring my energy to bear. I bring my energy to bear. That's steadfast, hanging in there. As the energy gets... Do you see that that over time that there's a little bit more energy to stay with? Then we can stay with. Then there's the mindfulness. That capacity to keep bearing in mind what is happening right now. To bear in mind when I've gone off and, oh, wow, there's one of those banana trees Pascal was talking about. Mindfulness, we're seeing it. Our attention is not captured in that moment. We see when attention is captured... But the mindfulness is an attention that is not captured, that is bearing in mind breath, body, mind states, thoughts, feelings, sensations, smell, sight, taste, sound, touch, feeling, thought. Bearing it in mind with a clear seeing and not captured by it. As the mindfulness comes together, the samadhi, the fourth quality, um, this wholeness, this quality of steady, firm, presencing, we get, can you feel that from time to time? You're a little bit more, a little bit more substantial on your cushion. Other times we might not be, right? But we can see this coming together. It's not me or mine. It's a quality that builds it's a quality that strengthens, right? That a firmed up mind where we're not blown around by the same thing we might have been blown around by on Friday or whenever we got here. 
and people have reported that. Yes, yeah, same, same, same pattern, same activation, but I'm a le- little less blown. It's a little more container, more presence, more body. And as the samadhi deepens, and it can deepen into more and more presencing, the fifth factor of the wisdom, right? When the mindfulness and the concentration and the energy and the faith is there, this light of wisdom, the capacity to discern, oh my goodness, I see that. I see that I'm doing that. I see that this is happening. I see that if I pick this up, it goes this way. Or I see if I attend in this way, this happens to my mind. Wow, that's wisdom. Wisdom doesn't mean we're sussed. Do you use that word? No. (laughs) There isn't a translation. (laughs) I can't think of one anyway. Wisdom doesn't mean we're all sorted. Wisdom is the ability to know in this moment what leads onward towards freedom and what does not. We can just start to discern that for ourselves, not because someone tells us, but because we know, oh my goodness, if I, if I attend to what... Let's think of an example. Um, right, so somebody in the group today was saying, um, uh, I think she said, after the sitting, I'm quite concentrated, I go outside, I'm in the transition piece, and I start spacing out a whole lot more, a lot more things come in, and she said, and then there's this judgment, but I don't see the judgment, was how I heard it, she says, then there's this attention that comes in and says, right, that's no good, go and be mindful, Right? She saw it, she could feel it, the, 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 the twitch of it, the, the, the anxiety of it, the, um, I'm adding these pieces, but that's what it is, those things that's like, right, you've got to be someone else, you've got to be someone else doing something else. It's not okay where you are. And she felt it like a, a one hand at her throat and one hand somewhere else that was kind of yanking her back to her seat. <coughs> okay, what happens if you pay attention like that? Does it lead onward toward the goal? Does it not? It's kind of obvious once we see it, isn't it? That's what it is with wisdom. Once we see it, it goes, yeah, right. If I'm going to seize myself by the neck and get in the Dharma hall, that isn't going to lead to happiness. Then we can fall into the other extreme, which is, okay, so sitting is bad, right? I'll never do it again. It's only, you know, it's only for neck-grabbing people, right? <laughs> But we're finding the middle way, the middle way, what takes me to the cushion and lets me attend in a way that leads onward. I remember one woman at Gaia House, she had sat a few weeks on retreat and she reported in the interview, she said, I'm seeing something, this is wisdom, I'm seeing something that doesn't lead onward. She said, when I get to the meditation hall door, we got a door there, she says, I notice suddenly I'm all tight and determined, yes, but a little bit more like this. But we don't see it until we see it, do we? We might have been doing it for years, she said. And she called it very kindly but also quite poignantly. She said, that's my Dharma fascist, <laughs> right? That 
it's like it's literally, I don't probably need to demonstrate, probably you know that quality externally or internally, right? Wisdom lets us see clearly and discern. It has a light and a penetration where once we see, we see. And we might have to repeat the thing again, but we start to see more clearly, a little bit less fooled by what we have previously taken as the truth. So handling these programs, um, we've spoken about it, I don't know if we've used that language before, but that's what a lot of what we're doing. Broadly speaking, you, you might say that in the Buddhist traditions, um, you see kind of two orientations. One towards handling the... Um, Handling the objects of experience, right? Handling the thoughts, feelings, sensations, breath, body, right? That's what, a lot of what we've been doing. Handling, learning how to skillfully handle those things, learning how to contemplate them and see, oh my goodness, they're changing and they're, they're not mine. They're like, you know, the banana trees. They're empty of real satisfaction. We learn to handle the objects of experience and part of the orientation as well, which we could see, could initially see as another orientation, is to point directly at the mind that is already awake, that is seeing clearly, that is here, immediate, timeless, bright, and able to see, is awake. Right? Because that's already here. The reason we study all the experiences so diligently, is not to become experts, really, is to see where we get caught, is to see how we get snagged, to see how we get woven around and spun out and chucked out on the other side, because that's what keeps happening, how we don't find rest, because experiences keep feeling like they promise something to me. I twitch and I'm looking again for home. I want to um, tell a story that is really Yanai's story, and I asked permission to tell it, but I was there when it happened, so I think it's my story too. Um, I, I can feel that little twitch of, I probably won't tell it as well as he does. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't even bother. Right, you, know, you know, that one is kind of under-energized twitches, because sometimes the volition is that really kind of charged up and sometimes it's more that kind of like what's the point I won't do it very well anyway you know that one no nobody knows (laughs) (laughs) right that kind of like oh well I may as well just back back right off Someone, someone else can do it better right that one that one could call it under energized and over energized they kind of broadly fall into those categories or uh, one, one very, again, precise teaching of the Buddha. Don't you love precision sometimes? It's a beautiful quality. Not the precision that pierces and hurts and has no heart, but when it, when it points to something and 
reveal something. He talks about um, uh, I just want to give it a little back story Going to, from the Buddha to Saraputra, right? One of his main his main disciples. And there's a lovely story from uh, Saraputra. I really love this, and it's talking about just at the kind of dawn of his full awakening. And the story goes like this. It says, The thought arose to him, arose in him. Nibbana, right, so freedom, awakening. Nibbana is the end of becoming. And then it says, And the thought arose a second time. Nibbana is the end of becoming. And then the thought arose a third time. Nibbana is the end of becoming. And then it says, and with that, the thought futtered out. The end of becoming someone. Having to be someone we think we're supposed to be or trying to not be the someone we think we're not supposed to be. And this precision piece that I want to talk about, because you can also feel it in your body. I Well, check it out. I invite you to feel it in your body. Maybe you know this in your body. The Buddha very clearly discerns and breaks that into two. He calls the craving for becoming. Right? I want to be someone, I want to be enlightened, I want to be over there, I want to be like you, I want to be better. Craving for becoming, which is a movement away from where we are. But then very brilliantly, he talks about the craving for non-becoming. Oh, it's so much pain trying to be someone in the world, isn't it? Sometimes. Try and become the right one that whatever your right one would look like. Then we can crave to not be anything. And we lean back and don't take our place in the family of things. Because this taking our place in the family of things You don't get to be anyone, special or terrible. It's the end of becoming. We can't reflect back in that place, in that moment. I can't reflect back. I'm the greatest. I mean, the twitch might still be there to do that. The program. Yes, they think I'm great. And we can't reflect back to ourselves. No, I am actually the worst. Or the undeserving, or the unlovable, or the unloved. That too but left here, left alone, leaving ourselves alone, we can find out that when we do, and I'm sure you've glimpsed this and seen it, or maybe you're deeply resting there, I don't know, that when we take our seat there, we find that everyone else is here too. Not as people we have to do something about, or avoid, or fix, or 
Yeah, yes, we might still do want to do that, but we see it. The wisdom sees it. Oh, look, I'm doing that thing. Come home here. Be ordinary together. And as those spiritual faculties deepen, sometimes we get more quiet. And we get more quiet. And the seeing gets a little brighter. We see and handle the the patterns, the programs, the twitching, the restlessness, the desire for becoming something else, the desire for not being this. We see where that leads. We're not so obliged to follow it. And we start to rest in the seeing. The refuge in that blessed, blessed, awake. But that awakeness isn't something we can reflect back on ourselves. We can't look at the photo and see it. And go, there it is. Because it's already here. It's already completely intact. It was never, you were never separated. It just feels that way. We've left home, but we didn't know it by our wish to keep searching. Oh, and I didn't tell you the story, did I? So this is some years ago and uh, we were house-sitting. We didn't have a place of our own house-sitting. Do you call it that? Yeah. Um, Some friends had gone away and I was doing the washing up dishes and Yen and I was on the phone. No, he had been doing the dishes. Phone rang. He went to pick the phone up. I carried on with the dishes or... And at a certain point, I think in the middle of the phone call, he said, oh, Catherine, don't throw away the washing up water for a second. There was a kind of urgency, you know. Don't throw the washing up water away. Okay. And he got off the phone call. He goes, I've lost, I think I dropped my wedding ring in the dishwashing water. And we searched in the dishwashing water and it wasn't there. And did it it go down the drain? Where did I leave it? And and we we both were searching around this little house. Um everywhere and he tells it this way he said he could feel that place you know on the finger where the ring has been if you've ever worn a ring and then taken it off and there's that indentation and there's that sort of naked spot where it used to be and now it isn't and and that kind of all of that and he was in that and and we and we built the story oh we've only been married a little while and we bought those rings in newton abbott and we didn't have much money and they were 20 pounds each and and oh dear and oh we could get a new one and then at a certain point, he was sitting on the chair. I think we got to that place where the, what, how you'd put it in the practice, where the ignorance gets worn out. <laughs> right, the searching, you get worn out. And then I looked at him, and as he was kind of lamenting and feeling, and I said, yeah, no, it's on the other hand. <laughs> right? it, w- it was there all along. 
right? But it feels really real, doesn't it? <laughs> feels really real that we've left home. We've lost something, we're lacking something, we're missing something. And that's what, what, what we can see. We get more quiet in the practice. Somebody was describing yesterday, actually, in one of the groups, from a very quiet place, she said, I noticed I woke up and I woke up this morning or yesterday morning. There was the seeing. Right. Now the seeing, the wisdom, the bright seeing doesn't mean that everything that arises is going to be beautiful. Right. We're handling the floods. Right. But she said I was, uh, there was seeing, which was very quiet as she described it, from a still, silent place. I was seeing. She said, and then I saw despair. And then I wondered how I was going to get up. But I was seeing that. It was the seeing, the feeling. Some time passed. And then as I heard it, she said, and then I arose out of the bed, walked into the day, not pushing, not halting. Life keeps arising unstoppably. Sometimes we don't trust that life will move, that we will do what we need to do, that we'll, without the push or the shove, and when we push and shove enough and strive and push enough, then we're exhausted and we burn out and we go to that side and we come back and forth and we keep finding the middle way again. Not striving, not halting. Where does that leave you right now? Not revving up and not resigning. We might see the program of revving up, the program of resigning, but that too can be seen and held. Something in the silence, that silent seeing, the sage. The blessed one. And not meaning a blessed one who's up there or over there. It's, it's the blessed aspect, really. This is sublime, this is release not halting, not striving, handling the floods, they can start to, we're activating them less, they can start to wear out a little bit. We may see even more subtle levels of that where we, we twitch and we want to try find home, we want to make home. Sometimes I would see, I see that tendency even to try and find myself among the most painful of the programs. 
What is it I've done wrong? Just remind me why I'm so bad. Right, now I know who I am. I'm the bad one. Sometimes we would rather make our home in something diminishing. Yeah, sometimes we want to try and be all exalted. That's another try and becoming. But what happens when we see that the hands come off, we rest back in the silence, the faculties deepen, we get more and more of a taste for not having to keep activating ourselves. We start to trust more and more that if I don't activate myself, life still can be active. We don't want to f- we could don't want to fall into the other extreme of, you know, activity is somehow not spiritual, not at all. That's another kind of becoming. But where does activity arise from? Listening in deeply to this silence that's here that we've um, soaked in together and start to get more of a taste for together. Can you hear it? Like in our instruction from Pascal this morning, that space between the words. The words normally call the loudest because they're words. They're part of what they do. What happens when we listen through and between and beyond and with the words? What is it that lets the words be heard? What is that silence? Can you breathe out into the silence? Can you let the silence breathe you in? Or do you halt and go, oop, can we relax that? Sometimes we feel compelled to activate because we're not used to the silence. We haven't yet learned to trust our goodness our intelligence, benevolence. Can you sample the silence that isn't just external in this room but is knowable to you because it is deeply you? Let the silence breathe you Let it take you to bed. Wake up with it. Listen to it. See how it listens to you. See how it is you. Sometimes you may even feel a a 
palpability to the silence in this room or in yourself. Sometimes it can feel rich or pulsing or dark like a vast sky at night or velvety soft getting a taste for the dark for the peace for the unactivated this will allow us to handle the joy the sorrow There's a small verse that I have found very helpful again and again in my practice from a Zen nun and uh, she says for 66 years these eyes have beheld the changing scenes of autumn Ask me no more about moonlight. I've already said enough. Just listen to the sound of the pines and the cedars in a forest where no wind blows. Just listen to the sound of the pines and cedars in a forest where no wind blows. Not freezing, not halting, not striving. Can you listen? To what we could say is the whisper of the deathless nature where we're not bound to keep coming. Not bound to hitchhike forever, thumbing a lift to the next good experience. Or swerving to avoid a difficult one. Just listen to this immediacy as these faculties deepen and strengthen and merge in the deathless nature. And I would say that our wish to stop, you know, our wish to stop our mind or our wish to stop the pain or our wish to stop the world I want to get off. It's just a 
an attempt to come to a deeper, a deeper stopping. that is not dependent on conditions, stopping. But is realizable for each one, for herself, for himself. So let's sit together for a minute in our silence. May all beings know peace. May all beings know the joy of release. So that this time is walking practice and we meet back at the scheduled time for the last sitting.